Sangha. Good afternoon. We can very well describe uh, the practice of Buddhism as uh, the practice of a kind of art, the art of uh, being peace, the art of promoting peace in society, in the world. And uh, as uh, Buddhist, as the continuation of Lord Buddha, all of us should learn that art, how to be peace and how to promote peace in our family, in our community, in our society. If we look deeply into ourselves, we can realize that there are elements of war that are already in us. Our uh, tension, the tension in our body, our emotions like fear, anger, violence, hate, despair, our wrong thinking, our wrong perceptions are there in us and they can be described as uh, elements of, of war. Practicing Buddhism is first of all to recognize these uh, negative elements within us in order to take care of them, in order to transform them. When we go back to our breathing and become aware of uh, our body, 
we may recognize the fact that uh, there is a lot of uh, tension of stress within our body. And because of that awareness, we may like to do something in order to, rea- to release the tension uh, in our body. And in the Sutra on Mindful Breathing, Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha provides us with the practice in order to release the tension in our body. The third exercise of Mindful Breathing and the fourth exercise of Mindful Breathing are for that. Breathing in, I'm aware of my whole body with all the tension in it. And breathing out, I release the tension within my body. With a few uh, minutes of uh, mindful breathing, we can release all the tensions in our body. We know that uh, the tension in our body, if uh, continued to be accumulated, will bring about a lot of problems, and many kind of sickness are the result of the tension in our body. And uh, scientists of our time have, have realized that if we are able to release the tension in our body, and then our body will have the capacity of healing itself. We don't need a lot of medicine. We need to release the tension in our body, and suddenly our body will have the capacity of healing the sickness in it. When we are able to make peace with our body. We can begin to make peace with our feelings and emotions. We have painful feelings, we have strong emotions. We don't know how to handle them. And the Buddha in the Sutra of Mindful Breathing help us, show us the way to recognize the painful feeling, the painful emotions in us in order to embrace them and uh, bring a relief, and finally transform them. The seventh, the seventh uh, exercise of mindful breathing is for that. Breathing in, I recognize the painful feeling, the painful emotion within me. And the eighth exercise, breathing out, I release the tension in my feelings, in my emotions. Learning to recognize, embrace, and transform our emotions like fear, anger, hate, jealousy, despair is very important. And that is the art of uh, making peace with ourselves taking care of our body, and taking care of our feelings and emotions. And then the Buddha proceeds to uh, help us to recognize our uh, mental formations. 
and among them our thinking. We know that we have, we still have a lot of wrong thinking in us, and the wrong thinking will bring about the wrong speech and wrong action that will cause war between us and the other person, between our group and the other group, between our nation and the other nation. And that is why the Buddhist practice begins with going home to oneself, recognize the elements of uh, tension, of uh, pain, of uh, conflict within, in order to restore peace in our body, in our feelings, and also in our uh, mental formations, our mind. If uh, parents know the practice, they will make uh, their children happy, they will make uh, the family life happy. And the children who grow from such uh, a family would learn how to recognize the difficulties, the stress in uh, their body, uh, recognize their feelings, their emotions, and learn how to deal with them. And parents, when they practice, they can teach children to practice also the practice of being peace. When the children go to school, and then the teachers, the school teachers should be able to help them also, because there are children who have not had a chance in their family. They did not have, they have not had a chance to learn how to love to forgive, to make the happiness of other people in the family. And then school teachers, if they know the practice, and then they can help their children, and they can give their, uh, their students a second chance. So school can become a second kind of family, and school teachers can become kind of parents in order to help uh, their students. Now we have uh, a lot of problems in the, in the family and in school. There's a lot of uh, misunderstanding, a lot of anger, a lot of violence, both in the family and the school. And that is why if uh, parents and school teachers learn the practice of being peace, they will help uh, uh, their children and their students to learn that art of being peace also. And we hope that if you are in the uh, realm of education, please uh, reflect on it and try to bring this kind of learning, this kind of practice originated from Buddhism into family life and into uh, school life. Uh, in the 30 years uh, of teaching in the West, we have offered uh, this kind of practice of being peace uh, to uh, uh, friends in many uh, countries. And uh, countless people have profited from the practice and have reconciled with their father, with their mother, with their 
son, their daughter, their partner, and bring back uh, happiness. We also uh, share the teaching of uh, the practice of uh, listening with compassion and using loving speech in order to restore communication. Nowadays, we have a lot of uh, sophisticated means of uh, communication. But communication between uh, husband and wife, father and uh, son, mother and daughter has become much, much more difficult. And we witness to the fact that many fathers cannot speak to their son. Many sons and daughters cannot listen to their father. And if there is no uh, communication, how could, could we hope uh, to help each other remove our wrong perceptions in order to make peace with each other. In Plum Village, uh, France, uh, during many years, we have invited groups of uh, Palestinians and Israelis to come and practice with us. And we have learned a lot from them. These groups, upon arrival, they could not look at each other because uh, there's a lot of uh, suffering, of fear, of anger, of suspicion in every group. And the Sangha in Plum Village helped them to practice, first of all, to release the tension in their body, to practice uh, breathing, to practice uh, mindful walking, to practice mindful sitting, in order to recognize the pain, the sorrow, the fear, uh, the emotion within them, in order to get a relief. The practice of uh, deep relaxation proposed by Lord Buddha, the practice of uh, recognizing emotions proposed by Lord Buddha uh, have uh, helped uh, tremendously these uh, two groups of people to practice. After the first week of uh, releasing the tension, recognizing uh, painful emotions, uh, they are initiated to practice uh, uh, deep listening to each other and uh, using uh, the language of uh, loving kindness. When you suffer, you would like to make your suffer, suffering known to the other person. And if you know how to use uh, a kind of uh, speech that is uh, not uh, blaming, condemnation, accusation, the kind of speech that is, called, that is called in Buddhism loving speech, and then you can tell the other person about your suffering, your difficulties, and your deep aspiration. And if you are the listener, 
and then you practice uh, breathing in and out to calm yourself to remember that to listen to the other person is a practice of compassion because if you know how to listen deeply with compassion in one hour you can help relieve a lot of uh, suffering in the other person in Mahayana Buddhism, we have uh, the Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara, who is very skillful in the practice of uh, compassionate uh, listening. And if uh, we learn that art of uh, compassionate listening for a few, uh, uh, a few days, and then we'll be able to listen with compassion to the other person or to the other group of uh, people. And we know that uh, listening like that for one hour or two can already bring a lot of relief to the person. That person might have not had any chance. Nobody has been able to listen to them. But now you are practicing like a bodhisattva of, of compassion. You are listening to him. You are listening to her with compassion. And that is tremendously uh, helpful. The other side, the other group, must tell you everything, every kind of suffering and difficulties they have endured, like the Palestinians. And the Israelis would sit very still in order to listen, and the Plum Village Sangha sit with them in order to support them in the practice of uh, deep listening. And after having listened for one hour, the situation has already changed. You realize that on the other side, on the other side, people have suffered exactly like on your side. Adult children, they have suffered very much the same kind of suffering that on your side you have suffered. And because of that, for the first time, you can look at them with the eyes of compassion. You recognize them as uh, living beings, human beings like, uh, like you. Before that, you think that uh, only your side suffers. The other side never suffers. The other side only wants you to suffer. But now, after a few sessions of deep listening and compassionate listening, you recognize that they have suffer tremendously like your side. And listening like that, help them to suffer less and help you to suffer less at the same time. Finally, after 10 days of uh, practice, people could hold hands, the two groups can hold hands together and practice walking meditation and sh or share it, sit down and share a meal in brotherhood and sisterhood. The practice taken up by groups of Israelis and Palestinians in Plumlish is always successful. And at the end of the period of practice, they always, the two groups always come together and report to the Mahasangha about the fruit of their practice. They always promise that upon going home, they will create a Sangha, a practice uh, center, so that other people, Israelis and Palestinians, could come and practice in order to suffer less.
we know that uh, in order to have right action and right speech, we should have right view. Right view is the view of uh, dependent co-arising. Right view is uh, the view of no-self, of interbeing. And practitioners uh, should always remember to maintain that kind of right view uh, alive in their daily life. Looking, listening, we always have to touch the inside of uh, dependent uh, co-arising, interbeing, and no self. Suppose we speak about uh, a father and his son. Looking deeply with meditation, we can see very clearly that the son is the continuation of the father. And if the son practice mindful breathing and look deeply into his body, he will see that his father is fully present in every cell of his body. His father is not only outside of him, his father is inside of him. His mother also is inside of him. And the father, when he looks deeply into his son, he can also see the same thing. He can see himself in the son. And if the son suffers, the father will suffer at the same time. It is impossible for a son to be truly happy if his father still suffers deeply. It is impossible for a father to be truly happy if the son still suffers deeply. And that is why the suffering is not individual. Suffering is not an individual matter. If you suffer, your son also suffer. Your father also suffer. And if your son is happy, that is also your happiness. So in, in the light of no self, of interdependence, uh, Suffering is not an individual matter. Suffering is both for the son and the father, and that is uh, the insight of no self, that is the insight of interbeing. We know that uh, everything is linked to everything else. And the well-being of uh, animals, is very crucial for the well-being of human beings. The well-being of uh, plants and minerals are also crucial for the well-being of uh, human beings. And that is why protecting the environment, protecting other species on Earth, is to protect mankind. And that is the insight of uh, interbeing. And not only the Buddhist uh, have access to that kind of insight, but non-Buddhists also have access to that kind of uh, insight. And sometimes the Buddhists uh, have access, by, but they don't make use of that insight. As a monk, as a monastic, you might forget that we are a monastic, 
and we continue with our struggle for power. We want to build a prestige. We want to build only a big temple. And uh, we do not have the capacity of being peace and uh, making peace, promoting peace in our own Sangha, in our own monastic uh, community. We are not in peace with ourselves. We are not in peace with our brothers and sisters in the monastic community. We are not truly practicing as a monk. As a lay person also, we have received uh, five uh, mindfulness trainings, five precepts, but uh, we are so busy, we don't know how to apply the teaching of the five precepts uh, into our daily life. In the month of uh, March 2000, UNESCO issued uh, a manifesto called uh, Manifesto 2000, with six points. That is uh, a practice of peace. We know that uh, the, the United Nations uh, decreed uh, that uh, the first 10 years of our century be a decade of, for the culture of uh, peace and non-violence. And many of us have tried our best in order to uh, implant uh, 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 to, to, uh, to promote uh, the culture of peace and non-violence. I had uh, the opportunity to sit down with uh, a group of uh, Nobel Peace Prize uh, winners in order to draft uh, the Manifesto 2000. There, is, uh, there are six points of practice in a manifesto and uh, after having been circulated, the manifesto had been, have been, has been uh, signed by 75 million people. 75 million people. And uh, including uh, heads of states, prime ministers, and so on. The six points of the manifesto are very similar to the five uh, mindfulness trainings, five precepts proposed by Lord Buddha. It's certain that if every one of us practice according to the six points of the man manifesto or the five precepts, we shall have peace in us and in the world. But the fact is, after you have signed the, the manifesto, you don't have the chance to put it into practice. You agree with the manifesto. You know that uh, the manifesto is a path leading to peace. But after having signed it, you don't have the, the opportunity to live accordingly and to put into practice the six points of the manifesto in your daily life. That is our shortcoming. In the Buddhist uh, tradition, after having received the five uh, precepts, you are encouraged to come for the recitation of the five precepts every uh, uh, fortnight. 
you are encouraged to participate in Dharma discussions on the five precepts in order to learn how to apply better the teaching uh, of the five precepts into your daily life. It's not that we do not have a way. We have a way, but we do not organize ourselves in such a way that we can go on that way together as a river. That is why um, my suggestion is uh, that we organize ourselves into communities. Our family can become a sangha, a community. Our classroom can become a community. Our workplace can become a community. The uh, city hall can become, uh, the city council can become a sangha. The national assembly can become a sangha. The parliament uh, can become a sangha also. And bring these six points of five precepts into the practice. We know that the first um, mindfulness training, the first precept, is to protect life. Not only, not only the life of people, but also the life of animals, plants, and minerals. And that is the practice of deep uh, ecology, the practice of protecting our environment. We know that uh, in order for human beings to be safe, to be healthy, we have uh, to protect other species, animals, plants, and minerals. In order to, to practice truly the first precept, you have to learn about the fifth precept, which is on mindful consumption, mindful production. If you exploit too much the resources of the earth, you will cause a lot of damage. If you want to be rich, you might produce the kind of uh, goods that can bring into the body and the mind of people a lot of toxins like uh, violence, craving, fear, hate. When the children watch a film for entertainment, they can receive, uh, they can ingest into their body and their mind a lot of toxins, craving, violence, fear, hate. And that is uh, the intoxication of the mind and of the body by the way of consumption. And mindful consumption, not to accept, not to uh, produce 
and uh, consume the items that can bring war, sickness, tension, hate, fear into our body and our mind is a very wonderful way to protect ourselves, to protect our family, our community, and our society. Without the practice of mindful consumption, we have no way out. We have to produce mindfully. We don't produce uh, items with toxins and poisons. We have to consume uh, mindfully. We should not consume uh, the things that have uh, toxins and poisons. And that precept alone can bring peace. And our uh, legislators have to work on that. They have to offer us the kind of law forbidding, prohibiting the kind of production that can bring into our body and into our mind these kind of poisons like fear, craving, anger, hate, and despair. If uh, parents and school teachers practice alone, that, is not, that would not be enough. I think uh, business leaders and political leaders have to enter into the practice. They have to help us making the law that prohibit the kind of production of these uh, uh, poisonous items. And they have to help us with the kind of education in order for us to practice uh, mindful consumption for the health of our body and our spirit. The second mindfulness training is very clear, not to exploit people, not to exploit the planet. We are not doing that. We are exploiting other people. We are robbing our, our other people. We are making use of other people. We are is, is exploiting the earth, and we do not think of the future of, for our children and their grandchildren. We do not have the kind of right thinking recommended by the Buddha. What is right thinking? Right thinking is the thinking that goes along with the insight of interbeing, of non-self. You are, you are them, and they are you. Right thinking is the thinking that goes along with um, compassion, understanding, protection, and forgiveness. As soon as you produce a thought of compassion, a thought in the line of right thinking, that thought right away has an effect of healing into your body and into your mind. And that thought of uh, compassion, of right thinking, will have also an effect on the health of the world and of the planet. And as a, a Buddhist, we are able to produce uh, many thoughts like that in a day in a line of right thinking. We produce only thoughts of understanding, compassion, forgiveness. And when we are 
able to produce, to practice right thinking, and then, of course, our speech will be a right speech, promoting understanding, hope, brotherhood, sisterhood, and our uh, action will be right action, right view as the foundation, right thinking, right uh, speech, and right action will follow, and that is the path of peace. We know that uh, we have been talking a lot about peace, but we ha have not been, we have not done enough for the cause of peace. And uh, what we, whatever we can do in terms of thinking, in terms of uh, speech, and in terms of action, could be considered to be an offering to Lord Buddha. And we have uh, the, the possibility to make offering to the Buddha every day. We are so grateful to him as a teacher. In our monastery in Deer Park, in our monastery Deer Park in the state of California, we have managed to stop using uh, electricity of the city. We now are using only solar energy. Uh, many hundred people uh, uh, live on solar energy alone. And uh, the few cars we use, they are now running on uh, vegetable oil. And uh, together with our uh, lay friends, we practice uh, car-free days. When you stop using your car for one day, one entire day, you don't. You stop the polluting uh, uh, the atmosphere, and that may be considered to be an offering to the Buddha. And our friends, our lay friends, together with us, so far we have uh, been able to offer to Lord Buddha sixty thousand uh, free car-free days. And you, if you want. You can uh, pledge one one free car uh, on car free day a week. You can you can pledge online. Um, September the twenty second is the World Car Free Day, and we hope that on that day we will be able to offer the Buddha uh, one hundred thousand. Uh, car-free days. If you don't use a car, you use uh, a motorcycle, and uh, each week you might like to pledge one motorcycle-free uh, day uh, as an offering to the Buddha. We know that we have to show our love to our planet our protection, and using less uh, electricity, using less uh, gasoline is a way of expressing love also. We know very well that there will, be not, there will not be gasoline for every one of us. Countries like India, China have uh, huge uh, populations, and everyone wants to have a car 
if the other person has a car, why not me? Everyone has the right to have a car. And we know very well that there will not be gasoline for all of us on the planet. And that kind of awareness is already enlightenment. That is already right thinking. So to consume less, to live a more simple life, is the only way out. And in our community, especially Buddhist communities, we can already begin to implement that kind of uh, teaching and practice. In our monasteries in Europe and America, no one of us has a private car. No one of us has a private uh, laptop or a private telephone. No one of us has a private bank account. And we survive very well. And uh, we are happy together as a Sangha. We know by ourselves, by our practice, that uh, happiness is possible when you are nourished by brotherhood, sisterhood, loving kindness. You don't have to consume much in order to be happy. And many of us think that happiness would not be possible when you do not have uh, a lot of money, you don't have a big uh, purchasing power. Oh. If we don't have uh, a big uh, position in society, if we don't have uh, enough power in society, if we do not have enough fame, When I look around myself, I see a lot of people full of power, full of money. And yet they suffer very deeply. And some of them committed, has, have committed suicide. And I have, I have seen also brothers and sisters in the practice they don't have a bank account. They don't have a car, a private car, even a personal laptop. And they are very happy as a practitioner, as a human being, as a member of our society. And that means that uh, to live a simple life and to be happy, that is something possible. And I think that is the teaching of Lord Buddha to be implemented in our life, reducing uh, the, our, consum our consumption, learning to live uh, more simply, to have more time to take care of oneself and to take care of our beloved ones is very crucial is the practice of uh, peace, is the way out. Brothers and sisters, distinguished guests, it's wonderful uh, to come together for us, to come together as uh, a spiritual family, to honor uh, our teacher, Lord Buddha. It's my conviction that in order to be kind to our teacher, Lord Buddha, we should 
everyone should uh, bless. We, everyone should make a promise to him that we shall try our best to live in such a way that we will have enough time to take care of ourselves, to have the time to love and to take care of the people around us. And for that, we should uh, refrain from using all our time running after our success, whether that is uh, wealth, power, or fame. Happiness is possible if you go back to the present moment with your mindful breathing, you recognize that uh, you are alive and the wonders of life are available in you and around you. And you only need to sit quietly, relaxingly, and get in touch with the wonders of life that have the power to heal and to nourish you. And happiness can come right away in the present moment. Lord Buddha has promoted the teaching of living happily in the present moment. Drista Dhamma Sukha Vihara. In the time of the Buddha, there was a business uh, leader. His name is Anatta Pindika. He was very fond of the Buddha and his practice. He has he has learned from the Buddha a lot, and he tried to bring the practice of the Buddha into his family. And his family was a happy family. One day, he brought uh, 500 businessmen to uh, the Buddha. And then the Buddha gave them one uh, teaching. And in that sutra, the Buddha used uh, five times the expression living happily in the present moment. The Buddha know very well that businessmen, they think too much about the future. They only think of their success in the future. They don't have the time for themselves. They don't have the time for their children, for their family. And the Buddha wanted to remind them that conditions of happiness are already available in the here and the now. If they know how to practice mindful breathing and go back to the present moment, they will recognize that there are enough or more than enough conditions for you to be happy right in the here and the now. Taking care of the present moment is also taking care of the future. According to this insight, the future is made only of one substance, that is the present moment. If you invest 100% of yourself into taking care of the present moment, to do what you think that needs to be done, and refrain from doing what you think that it is harmful to you now in the future, taking care of the present moment is about everything you can do in order to, to assure a beautiful future, because the future is made only of the present moment. Of course, you have the right 
to make uh, projects for the future, but we should not worry too much about the future. We should not be too much afraid of, about future. We can be established firmly in the present moment, and we bring the future to the present and have a look, deep look on it. We have the right to make projects for the future, but we don't need to lose ourselves in the worries, in the fear, in the uncertainty about future. About the future, that is what the Buddha was trying to tell us. Living happily in the present moment, we already have enough conditions to be happy. This is a message that we could, we should uh, uh, make known to our friends, Buddhist and non-Buddhist. I invite uh, our distinguished guests and uh, members of our Maha Sangha, International Sangha, to enjoy one or two minutes of sitting in order to recognize that uh, happiness is already there. We don't need to run into the future to be happy. It's wonderful to be together as one uh, spiritual family. We are there with our uh, uh, Lord Buddha, it's wonderful to have this opportunity to enjoy our togetherness. Breathing in, I invite my father in me to breathe in with me. Breathing out, I invite my mother in me to join me in breathing out. Breathing in, I feel so light. Father, do you feel light as I do? Breathing out, I feel so free. Mother, do you feel free like me? Breathing in, I see the presence of Lord Buddha in every cell of my body because I am his student, his continuation. Breathing out, I smile to the Buddha in every cell of my body. I promise to Lord Buddha that I will be a good continuation of His while I walk. Every step will bring solidity and freedom and peace. When I breathe, I will bring peace and serenity into my body and my mind. When I speak, I will use loving speech. When I listen, I nourish my compassion in order to help the other person to release uh, a lot of his suffering. 
I vow to restore communication between me and other members of my family, other members of my communities. And I know that doing so, I can promote uh, peace in, our, in my society. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters. <laughs>